Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and we are almost at the midway point in the season. That's right. All-Star Weekend is upon us. Two games remain, and I'm pretty happy about where the Nets are right now. Nick, what do you think? I mean, hey, we're a half game back from the top seed in the East behind the we're probably going to blow it in the playoffs anyway, Philadelphia 76ers. So sitting at 22 and 13, man, I mean, what is it? Has to be top seven records in the league. One, two, three, four. Yep. Top six records in the league. Uh, I'm pretty happy as well, dude. I mean, a couple flubs over the past week, but overall season's going pretty well. Definitely some flubs. Definitely some flubs. We had one the other night against the Mavs. We will absolutely talk about that. But first, we got to get to our crosstown rivals across the river, the New York Knicks. I, I can't believe it, but they're somewhat relevant again in the East. They are one game over 500. I think they're 16 and 15. And Knicks fans are going crazy right now. There was footage of a bunch of fans outside Madison Square Garden celebrating the victory, slapping fives, as the kids say these days. And just a ton of love for the Knicks on Twitter. Everyone's going crazy. And my question to you, Nick, is do we kid ourselves when we debate whether it's a Nets or a Knicks town? I haven't seen Nets fans celebrate something like this since we got KD and Kyrie. And I don't even think we celebrated that as hard as the Knicks fans did last night. Listen, at the end of the day, I got to respect diehard fans who get excited over the stupidest littlest shit. And that's what Knicks fans are doing. They've been in the dumps for years. I mean, I bet Knicks fans hate Carmelo. They're still probably bitter about Carmelo. So I think they're looking for anything to be excited about at this point. But no offense to Knicks fans. It is a little like sad that if you actually think you have a chance at going anywhere in the playoffs, looking at their past victories, what is it? So for the past eight games, they beat the Wizards, the Rockets, without Harden and any good players at this point, really. The Hawks, uh, the Timberwolves, the Kings, the Oladipo-less Pacers now that he's gone, and the Pistons. So you're going to sit here and tell me that they put together a great series of games and they actually have a shot at being a contender in any capacity? No, absolutely not. So for those delusional Knicks fans out there that think like, ooh, like 16, what is it, 16 and 15? Like, no, wow. no, 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 they're 18 and 17 18 right and now. 17. Wow, we have one more win than one more loss. We've won, you know, six out of the last eight games, whatever it is. We might actually have a chance to be good. No. What this says is you're a little bit above the shittiest teams in the league and maybe in eight to 10 years will you start to form a franchise. Take that, cousin Ray. Coop, there it is. Am I right? Coop, there it is indeed. All right, Nick, let's get to some Nets news. Apparently, the franchise is considering trading Spencer Dinwiddie. There's a lot of uh, speculation that Spencer will not re-sign with the Brooklyn Nets this offseason. Therefore, if you're the Nets, you'd want to get something for him if you're just going to let him walk in the offseason. Do you think that there is a market out there for Dinwiddie? And if so, what do you think would be a fair return? Something the Nets can expect back. Maybe we should trade Dinwiddie for Jeremy Grant. No, I keep seeing um, the first team that keeps popping up in these reports is the Pistons. But if I'm forgive me if I'm mistaken, wasn't Dinwiddie drafted by the Pistons and kind of started his career there doing nothing? 
And so he would be going back to what's now pretty much the worst team in the league. Um, okay. I think, I think to answer your question, Dinwiddie has extremely high value. Uh, he could be a starting scoring one on a average to above average team in terms of what we can get out of it. I think we can actually win a trade in that regard. I think we can get more. And as much as I love Dinwiddie, we can get more than what his value is because he has proven himself on the nets. He is an offensive scoring first point guard. Uh, He does have that shooter clutch mentality. I do think he can make a team very excited, especially a lower tier team that's looking for a certain spark to their offense. With that said, off the top of my head, what do we need, right? We have all these young big men that we're trying to groom into uh, better DeAndre Jordans. The only thing I could really think of is could we get maybe another young five for Dinwiddie um, who, who can prove themselves a little quicker than Cook or Claxton? So off the top of my head, I could use a five. I think maybe we can get some draft picks out of it. There's no one really that stands out to me. If he did go to the Pistons, the only player I'd want is Jeremy Grant, but they're going to keep him forever so there's really no point of even talking about it uh by the way real quick nick i am watching the net spurs game right now we are recording on monday night so i'm in the first quarter kyrie Irving just pulled off one of the sickest passes to deandre jordan for an alley-oop he was going across the lane he faked behind his back and then just threw it up over his head and jordan had the the oop on the alley that was friggin' awesome it sounds awesome and i'll watch it later but we have a podcast to do yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give live commentary on the game, Nick. I don't want to miss out on this. Ooh, Fine, I'll, live, I'll give live commentary too. Uh, a bird just flew past my window. Yeah, Nick, this isn't a bird podcast, okay? It's a Brooklyn Nets podcast. Speaking of the Nets, let's get into the games that they played this week, starting with the Sunday loss against the Mavericks. I'm sorry, Saturday loss against the Mavericks, 115-98. to 98. Uh, This was the James Harden by himself game. No Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant. Luca also turned 22 the following day that Sunday. So it was Luca's birthday game and he went off. I, I mean, when he's hitting his three pointers and I think he, he actually only went three of 10 from three point range, which sounds terrible, but his threes were like the timeliest threes that just put the nets away. Uh, he was phenomenal. He couldn't miss. And then Kristaps Porzingis was a matchup nightmare. Everybody the nets threw at him, especially TLC, Porzingis just said barbecue chicken and ate him right up. It was, it was very, very frustrating to watch this Nets team try to defend those two guys. And on top of that, nobody was scoring yesterday. James Harden had 29, but only four points in the second half. Um, it was a tough game. I'm sorry, on Saturday. I keep saying yesterday, on Saturday. That's okay, bud. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. It was, it was a tough loss. But again, they were riding an eight-game win streak, so I wasn't that concerned that they got blown out by a Mavericks team that's extremely hungry, that's been playing great basketball recently, and that has one of the best players in the game in Luka Doncic, and it was his birthday weekend, Nick. His birthday weekend. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the Mavs are a lot better than their 500 record right now. They have been impacted by injuries and COVID, maybe worse than any other team in the league. And so to have all of their young talent back, I mean – just not even the combination of Porzingis and Doncic we can talk about all day. Josh Richardson is a great role player. Tim Hardaway coming into his own. Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith. They have some great talent. They haven't really been able to see that until the past few games. So now they're going on a nice win streak. So I do respect the Mavs. But like you said, uh, you know, what goes up must come down. We knew this end was coming near. We're missing two of our stars. We got outshot field goal percentage-wise, 52 to 40. We out turnovered them 19 to 8. 
Um, when that stuff happens, when you're relying on the Bruce Browns, when you're relying on the, uh, the Landry Shamets to step up and play with these young hungry guys who are just coming back from COVID or injuries, it's going to be a tough matchup. This is one that I'm not too upset about. Um, honestly, could have expected it. But at the end of the day, if our two superstars were playing, if we were fully healthy and if we had a couple more days of rest, it would be an entirely different game. We got a really bad Timothy Luau Cabarro game in this one. He was atrocious. I think he was like two of 12 from the field and, and just missed so many three-pointers. Also, we did not have Tyler Johnson for that game. And I'd like to say that Johnson's been a pretty good player off our bench. So uh, TLC was terrible. Also, it was a bad outing from DeAndre Jordan and Nick Claxton. They both did nothing. I think they had a combined four points in like 30 combined minutes or something. They were both pretty bad. So uh, you, you, you tip your hat off to the, to the Mavs. And, and like I said, it was his birthday weekend, Nick. It was his birthday, his stupid birthday. Also, we got to give some props to, um, to James Harden after the game for calling Luka Doncic just a special player. Of course, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm surprised like Harden doesn't say nice things, but it was a cool moment that Harden was able to acknowledge. You know, Like I said on the last podcast, dude, those two players, Harden and Doncic, are the only two that I believe could do what they do in the NBA right now. They could literally become the number one passing person in the league, the number one scoring person in the league, and still get you know, eight to 10 rebounds and get that triple double any game. They could literally do whatever their team needs offensively at any time. And I don't think anybody could do that besides Harden and Doncic. No, I I have to agree with you, man. I I don't think that there's a player in the league and I know Steph's great. I know LeBron's an MVP. Those are the the, the next two guys that uh, Damien Lillard, that's, those are the five guys that I'll put in that category, but I don't think that anybody could do what Doncic and Harden can do from a combined passing shooting and scoring standpoint are you with me on that i am with you i'm deep inside of you all righty um let's get to a little bruce brown appreciation huh yeah so i want to talk about this win over the sacramento kings 127 to 118 this was actually a game uh well into the third quarter but in that fourth quarter the nets just broke it wide open uh James Harden had 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 14 assists. A triple-double for him. This was Tuesday, February 23rd, by the way. Kyrie had 21 points and 7 assists. Joe Harris with 18. And Bruce freaking Brown had 29 points that game. He was 11 of 13 from the field, and he hit two three-pointers in the fourth quarter that were just perfectly timed. Turned around, did a little shimmy to the Sacramento Kings bench. It was beautiful. Uh, I know Harden had a triple-double, but this was the Bruce Brown game for me, Nick. Dude, honestly, I love Bruce Brown. I This guy is just consistent. He takes smart shots. He takes high-percentage shots around the rim. He knows where he is at all times. He is sprinting on the fast break. He's running underneath the hoop off ball. He's hiding behind players. He's finding his spots. Harden and him already seem to have good chemistry. Harden can see where he's going to be at different times in the game. So I love this dude. He works his ass off on defense. He hustles. He rebounds. He scores when he has to, but he never forces anything. He is that ideal sixth, seventh, eighth guy. He's the guy you want to come in that you know isn't going to change the game. He isn't going to all of a sudden hit nine threes in a row, but you are going to get a solid, you know, five to 12 points out of him. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot and he's going to make the right plays. You feel comfortable with him out there. If I'm James Harden, I go, okay, I got Bruce Brown on my side right now. I know we're going to be all right. I know what to expect. And he brings it every game. Um, Yeah, this, this was a fun game. Honestly, I feel like the Sacramento Kings are that team that 
everyone always expects to be better because they're really young, fast, and fun to watch. I mean, I could watch De'Aaron Fox run around all day. He is just a freak athlete. Then you got Bagley and Holmes, these two burly, scrawny dudes who can just dunk all day. Buddy Heald will chuck up an occasional three. But most impressive on this Kings team to me was a dude I had never really known before this, was Tyrese Halliburton, yep, who yep. could not miss a dude from what? Was he, is he Iowa State? I think so. 21 years old, picked uh, 12th in the 2020 draft, number zero. Tyrese Halliburton has the weirdest little side release. It's almost like uh, uh, the opposite of you know, how Lonzo Ball kind of comes on the inside and up. This dude kind of goes on the outside from shoulder. It's almost like he's doing like a little shot put action. But like I said, this Kings team is young. We should have probably beat him a little more handily than we did. I'd say at time, they probably just out-hustled us and, and out-energized us. But Bruce Brown stood out to me. Tyrese Halliburton stood out to me. Uh, glad we crept away at the end. Yeah, our defense wasn't great in this one, Nick. The Kings shot basically 50% from the field and 43% from three. Um, they had like five guys in double. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Those were our numbers. That was, that was the Nets numbers. The Kings shot 52% from the field and 48% from three. They had one, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures. Uh, De'Aaron Fox led the way with 27. Halliburton at 23. But I just want to go back to something you said about our guy, Bruce Brown. He's sort of the Andre Iguodala of this Nets team. If you think about it, he's our sixth. He starts occasionally, but he's really our sixth man. He comes in, he gives us this energy that I think is unmatched by 97% of the league. So very happy with Bruce Brown. A, a later in his career, Iguodala. Yes. Yeah. Not prime. You're talking about 76ers Iguodala. Yeah, no, you're talking about like, you know, first couple of years, Warriors, Iguodala, who got MVP. So are you insinuating that Bruce Brown's going to get the NBA uh, uh, MVP of the um, championship this year? Listen, I've said it on finals MVP numerous times, but I'll say it again. Bruce Brown is going to be the NBA finals MVP. <laughs> you call me in the middle of the night, you'll be like, Bruce Brown finals MVP. If you call know. that, dude, I yeah. wish there was a future on that. That would have to be like plus Probably plus 50,000 odds. No, that's a lot. Probably plus 5,000 odds. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. probably higher. It would be a lot. It would be a lot of money. It would be like 10 to win 10K. I mean, you can't bet on it right now, but if we got closer to the... To the- no, I want it right now. Okay, who's ever listening to this podcast, find me a bookie that's going to take me 10 to win 10K on Bruce Brown winning finals MVP, and I will lock in. By the way, that was a joke before. I've never said that Bruce Brown is going to be the finals MVP on this podcast until this specific podcast and mark my words for the second time on this pod, he will be the finals MVP. Let's move on, Nick. All right. Mark Hamill, those words. Nets 129 magic 92. This game was on Thursday, I believe. Yeah. So we went out of order. That was weird. So the Kings were Tuesday magic were Thursday. And yep, the- that, but that's how we do it. We, we cover the most recent game in the Mavs. And then we start at the beginning of the week. Have we always done that? I don't know. It's how I'm doing it this episode. Well, it makes sense when you say it like that, brother. Harden had 20 points, nine rebounds, seven assists in this game. Kyrie had 27. Joe Harris, Bruce Brown had 14 apiece. And Shamit had 19 off the bench. Landry Shamit has been playing very well recently. He's he is now the seventh or eighth guy off the bench, and, and I'm very uh, enthused with his play. But this was the game in which we got a good look at Nick Claxton, who is in the game for the Nets right now against the Spurs. 10 points in 14 minutes. He looked pretty good. He had an alley-oop dunk. He took a guy off the dribble, hit the and one layup, a few rebounds, a few hustle plays. He looks like someone who can really help the Nets out in the front court 
come playoff time, Nick. I totally agree, dude. I, I think there's some momentum there. Uh, we can get to Tyler Cook a little bit, but haven't been impressed with him. Was never really impressed with Noah Vonley, even though he's not getting time. So I'm with you. Claxton seems like the guy. He was he was a little bit overhyped. People's expectations were super high. So that first couple games, I think it was a little disappointing if you had high expectations for Claxton because he didn't do much. Um, but that was promising. And, and, you know, it is the Orlando magic. We outscored him in the second quarter, 41 to 19. And in the fourth quarter, 37 to 20 with our bench guys in. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I do like seeing some promising play from a young big, because like we said, Deandre Jordan has stepped up his game in uh, in Jared Allen's departure, but we need help that that is the spot right now on this roster that we could not get enough help in. So if Claxton's going to put in, 10 and five a game. I'm all for it. I'm excited about it. On cue, Claxton comes in and nails a, uh, nails a layup. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Also, let's touch upon the magic for 10 seconds. And a post shot. Layup and a post shot. Four straight points for Nick Claxton. Oof. Marone, this guy's good. Right on cue. Uh, just, just to touch on the magic, man. Like, when is this team going to realize that the combination of Vucevic, Fournier, and Terrence Ross isn't really a great trio? <laughs> Like, I feel like they've been banking on this combo for five years. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Vucevic is an all-star. He's the best player on the team. He had 28 points and 12 rebounds. And I actually tweeted he's a borderline top 10 player. And I got destroyed on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, whack. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it happens. Like, spur of the moment, the guy hit five shots in a row. I'm like, yeah, he's probably top 10. I mean, dude, he's he's averaging 24 and 12. I mean, then I thought about 12 guys that are clearly better than him. So whatever, that's on me. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I mean, the Magic, they're, they're 13 and 20, or at least they were after this loss. Yeah. Um, they're not a good team, man. What do, you, what do you want me to say? I know. I just like switch up the formula because I do like the players on the team. I am an Evan Fournier fan, but why is he the second guy? He's, he's like the Nicholas Batum. Okay, I guess I just compared two French guys. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but – he is like the, the, the guy in the starting lineup who hits his open shots but knows he's not really um, going to be a big impact on the game. And, and now you put Fournier in that same position on the Magic, asking him to average 18 a game. It's like basically putting Bruce Brown as the two besides Harden and expecting results. So, you know, a little bit of a questionable move. We don't have to talk about the Magic. This is a Nets podcast, but that's what I like to call Orlando Magic. What? I like that. I, I do like that. Um, Thank you. All right, let's move on to some notes leading into the all-star break. By the way, Nick Claxton just had a beautiful pass to Andre Roberson for a wide open three. Missed it. And let's start right there. Let's start with some of the, the pickups that the Nets have made in recent weeks, starting with Andre Roberson. I don't like it. I, I don't understand why you would get a guy on this team who can't score on offense. Defensively, fine. He'll help you a little bit, but they're going to play him and they're going to play so far off of him and he's going to have wide open shots and he's terrible, bro. I'm watching him right now. The guy cannot play. And he just, and he just had an offensive foul. He's going to be cut, bro. He's so bad. I don't like that. They signed him to another 10 day contract, to be honest with you. Can you give me um, an update on Kevin Durant? Oh yeah. That, listen, I don't know if you listen to Evan Roberts's podcast, the Brooklyn basketball show, but he was talking with Mike Biseglia about that injury and how the Nets have handled it. And they just, they seem so sketchy. They don't tell the public everything. And uh, it's weird. I thought it was going to be a two game absence like two weeks ago and it became a month absence and he's, he's not playing until after the all-star break. 
I think he's okay. I just know that nagging hamstring injuries suck and you want to be like as far removed from it as possible before you return. Having said that, I don't like how the Nets have handled this. I hope he's okay, but I, 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 if he comes back and re-injures something, I'm going to be so fucking pissed off, Nick. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. I mean, we're the only team in the league right now that has three superstars, and we seem to be playing musical chairs with who's playing at what time. And I understand you know, rest days. I understand doing what's safe, and if that's what it takes for Durant. And you know, we went on an unbelievable win streak without him, so that's fine. I just want to make sure we get to a place before playoff time where we have three guys that could play back to back. So that worrying. I hope we get there too, Nick. I really do. Um, I just wanted to get to the other acquisitions and, that we made. Yeah, and just okay. before that, uh, just for people out there, uh, DeMontis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers is replacing Kevin Durant in the all-star game. Yes, correct. And it should have been Joe Harris. I'll agree with that. Um, Tyler Cook, G League guy. We signed him to a 10 day contract. He's looked whatever. You mentioned Noah Vonley, very average. Um, I- I'm ready for the Nets to, to make some more moves and try to get guys that might get minutes. Uh, the Spurs just tied things up 32-32. Timeout Steve Nash, eight minutes left in the second quarter. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm not too impressed with the Nets' pickups recently. They haven't really found their way into the rotation. Um, Harden and Kyrie have looked very good together, Nick, during this stretch of basketball without Kevin Durant. They've played magnificently off each other. And uh, I'm just happy with, with, with how that has gone. Yes. Um, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, Jeff Green have all been extremely important to this team's success. Yeah, I, I, they have to be. When, when Duran is out indefinitely, when Kyrie rests every other game, no offense, uh, you need them to step up, and Shamit was choking in the beginning of the season. He called himself out, and he seemed to get his act together. Bruce Brown is becoming more and more of the player we'd hoped he'd be. So, yeah, I mean, the re- I, I have to give the credit on that eight-game win streak to our bench players, to our sixth, seventh, eighth man, um, and to my boy, handsome Joey H. Borderline all-star Joey H. You know there was a, a person on the – TNT inside the NBA panel that picked him to go to the all-star game. I think it was Ernie Johnson. Really? Yeah. Um, Much love, Ern. One, one more note we got to get to good DJ versus bad DJ. You know, we had bad DJ up until that Pistons game. And then after that, he flipped a switch and he started playing a lot better. He was back to his old ways in that Mavs game, but he's looked pretty good against the Spurs tonight. This, this team really goes as far as he takes us on some nights. I mean, was it the Clippers game? He had the game-winning tip-in, right? Yep, that was the the one that I said he'll never hit in 100 tries again. But, yes, he did hit it that time. So he, he's been great. Um, I'll tell you this, Nick, and I was thinking about this a lot today, and then we can get to our predictions and, and round out the podcast. But I want to compare the Nets in the last 10 years to homes that one person would live in. Uh, the Nets went from a gross, dirty studio apartment after the Joe Johnson, Pierce, KG years to a pretty nice split level place during the Kenny Atkinson years with D'Angelo Russell to this mansion. They are currently in with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. But unfortunately there's always maintenance going on around the mansion. You have this great home theater, but the home theater needs work. So it, so it hasn't been up and running for the last few weeks. The pool is on the fritz every, every few days. There's something wrong with the pool. And then your indoor sauna isn't working this week. There's always something wrong with the mansion. Now, my hope is that by the playoffs, this mansion is finished. There's nothing wrong with it. 
It's the best house on the market, AKA the best team in the, in the NBA. But that's my, uh, my housing comparison to the Brooklyn Nets. What do you think? That was so stupid. Did you put any thought into that whatsoever? I mean, you could have applied that to anything that gets bigger or anything that needs improvement. And then you just named random amenities in a mansion, but you didn't even give specific things that were wrong with them. Like <laughs> the movie theater projector is broken and won't pay, play the movies or the pool, um, you know, got, the fritz. got flooded. Like, what is that? The pool is on the fritz. I don't know what that means. Like, is it, is it filled with water or jello? And then what was the, the sauna? What's wrong with, I don't know any context. If you're going to give an analogy, you have to give context. That's like saying my dad is so great. He's like a great sandwich. Okay, what kind of sandwich? What's on the sandwich that makes it great? That's how people resonate with analogies. So go back to analogy school, but for the sake of time, let's continue. So I guess I shouldn't send you the script that I've been working on for six months in the mail. I was literally about to send it to you. The nets are like the sky in that they are so big. All right, fine. I'll send it to Miramax. Um, Whoa, dude. (laughs) Nets are, <laughs> Nets are playing the Spurs right now. It's 35-34. What's your prediction for the rest of this game? Since when people listen, this game will already be over. Oh, so it's like a little test to see if we're going to get it right, huh? Yep. I got the Nets. Nick Claxton just hit a layup, and he got fouled. He has been an awesome to watch tonight. I got the Nets. Big game from Clax. Uh, I see Bruce Brown with seven points halfway through the second quarter. He's going to finish with 20, and they're going to win. Okay. And then we have the Nets at the Houston Rockets Wednesday night. The Rockets have been one of the worst teams in the league since trading away James Harden. Stupid. They should have kept him. Probably wouldn't be as bad as they are now. Uh, What do you think of that game on Wednesday? Do you think we're able to head into All-Star Weekend with a win against Houston? I'm going to tell everybody this right now. And if you don't put your money on it, you're stupid because I'm telling you to put your money on it. James Harden against the Rockets on March 3rd in Houston, going home, back to where he started his top three superstar Hall of Fame career is going to get 30 and a triple-double. You heard that. It's going to be a 30-point triple-double. You could actually parlay those props with your bookie, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, or 30 points and a triple-double. Put $50 on it. It'll be a high payout. The Nets blow the Rockets out. Harden won't even play the fourth quarter, and he'll still get 30 and a triple-double. If the Nets lose that game... I will go streaking around my apartment with all the windows open. And nobody will look. Hopefully. Um, all right. And with, then we have the All-Star break. Shout out to the All-Star game, Nick. As dumb as it might be for the NBA to have this All-Star game, as, as against it as the players were, if it wasn't for this stupid event, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant would have never really had that moment in the hallway where they fell in love with each other and they decided to both sign with the Brooklyn Nets. I remember that, man. I pitched that, and I was like, oh, could you imagine? Like, what are they saying right now? Are they really taking 10 minutes outside of the All-Star game to talk about potentially playing together? Like, that is cool to me, right? That's like walking, uh, you know, in medieval times, like you're a soldier, you're like well-known, right? You're Spencer the Great. You've conquered a bunch of kingdoms, okay? You see Nicky the Wise coming in. He's a wizard. I'm a wizard. You know, I've cast many spells on towns. I've ruined towns. I've brung riches to towns. We see each other just passing, and we're like, respect like you've conquered many kingdoms i've brought riches to many towns like how could we work together 
to conquer a kingdom, bring riches to that kingdom and rule the world. That's how you do an analogy. And that is what, no, Kyrie, that is what Kyrie and Kevin did. I can't believe you had the audacity to shit all over my house analogy earlier and then give me that <laughs> terrible <laughs> Game of Thrones, Lord of the Ring wannabe bullshit. That was awful to listen to. My ears actually hurt. Um, oh, wait, I have a test for you. All right. Tell me who says this and where. Okay. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Is it Liam Neeson or Sean Connery? <laughs> it's all right. Let me try that again. I'm not trying to help. <laughs> oh, it's Gandalf. It's yes. Gandalf. Yes. And who does he Gandalf. say it to? Does he say it to Frodo? No. Come oh, on. I'm uh, not Bilbo. trying to rob. Bilbo yes. And when? Uh, in the beginning of the movie, when, when he thinks he's stealing the ring. Yes, dude. Thank all you. Right, all right. We're getting off track here. Uh, great moment. I, I always imagine like there's a really nice song playing when they were in the hallway. Like, I don't know. What, what song would be playing when they're talking to each other? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we no, 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 be no, no, friends? No. I, I think it would be that song that's always in the commercial. If you're lost and you look, I will be waiting. Yeah, I can see that. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets. But before we end the show, Nick, I wanted to get into a quick debate with you. Who do you hate more? The Boston Celtics or the New York Knicks? With all this winning the Knicks have done lately, they're on a three-game winning streak. They're fourth in the East, 18 and 17. The Celtics are 17 and 17. They've actually been pretty shitty these last few weeks. But I, I just I was thinking about that today. Watching all those Knicks fans celebrate angered me. The Celtics' existence angers me. Who do you hate more? I hate the Celtics because, because they're good. That's why I've always hated the Celtics. Why I hate the Patriots. Why I hate Boston teams. You hate them, but you somewhat respect them. I love Brad Stevens. Celtics have an unbelievable franchise history. I hate the Knicks because Knicks fans are delusional. I hate the Knicks because Nets fans, when they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, somehow became Knicks fans for some reason. Like, wait, let me get this straight. You're going to... Pick, okay, your team leaves your home state to go to the state next to you. And you pick a new team in the same state your old team moved to. It's pretty much like the Nets moved to New York. And instead of being a New York Nets fan, you became a New York Knicks fan. So I don't understand the logic unless you're literally thinking, ooh, the Knicks sound cooler. The Nets have been bad. This is an excuse for me to jump to a more reputable franchise. That's why I hate Knicks fans. And I hate the Knicks because they just have bad players and they look stupid when they play. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with you on Knicks fans and I'll tell you why. Because there are certain Knicks fans no matter how atrocious the team has been in the past 15 to 20 years or however many years they miss the playoffs, whatever the case is, you always have these Knicks fans that are like, well, all we got to do is get a young player and then get an MVP and then get a good coach. And like, I know people have been saying that shit since Mello was there for eight, seven years. And all of a sudden now you sort of have that and you have this kid in your ear, like, well, I told you they were, they were going to be good. It's like, you said that in 2013, buddy. It's 2021. Also, let's be real. Nobody likes James Dolan. Like, James Dolan doesn't even like James Dolan. But even people who hate the Celtics respect Brad Stevens, respect Danny Ainge, and respect an organization that does it right. So nothing, nothing but hate for both parties, but somewhat respect for the Celtics and no respect for the Knicks. Not to mention Michael Jordan owned the Knicks in the 90s. I did like Patrick Ewing, though. Like, I felt like he he... He deserved 
something more. Well, guess what? Jordan didn't let him get there because Michael Jordan's the goat and everybody else is a moat. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's for sure. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Nick, the score right now in the Nets game is 48-40 with four minutes left in the second. Another Claxton dunk for 50. He is, he, I think he has 10 points right now. Do you have any words for the listeners before we take off? Just stay true to yourself and stay true to your team. And I want to give a shout out to my boy, Victor Vell, who I'm staying with in LA. Beautiful soul. He's actually becoming a Nets fan. He's going to watch all the games this week. Too bad the Nets don't still have Norvell Pell or we could have did some cool thing like, you know, Pell's, Vell's, your, your friend Victor. We could have Victor Vell, Norvell Pell, the Vell. What is it? Uh, Vic Vell, Vell Pell. Yeah, anyway. My, my advice to everyone still listening is just take care of your hamstring because – you know, eventually when you get back there, you want to make sure it's 100%. Talking to you, Kevin. And as always, Nick, catch you on the fire side.